It's been six months since half the population of the universe has been brought back. In an effort to regain control of the doubling in population, the Global Repatriation Council are attempting to relocate billions. But Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers are having none of it. Meanwhile, John Walker has been declared the new Captain America. It's now up to Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, to stop what's coming. Welcome to Project Geekology. Live from Republic City. Yeah, I don't know what I was doing with that one, but um, it came out pretty smooth, right? Hi, my name is Dakota. I am one half of your hosts here at Project Ecology, and I'm joined as always with... Anthony, not the Avatar. No, not the Avatar. Today we're going to be talking all about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're going to, you know, try to, you know, talk about all the major talking points in the show, talk about the ramifications for the universe at large, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to try to touch upon some of the even, like, deeper stuff that uh, the show brings up about um, just the state of America and the worlds we live in. So hopefully we can do some of that justice, if not all of it. But before we begin, uh, as we so often enjoy doing. Anthony, what have you been up to this past week? Oh man, I'm on the the gotcha life, man. <laughs> really? What are you what are you doing? <laughs> um so I have some coworkers um at my new job. They played this game called Epic Seven. I don't know if you've heard of that, Dakota. I've I've seen yeah, I've seen trailers like for a long time. Um Epic Seven was like the only commercial I got on YouTube. Right. Like, I, I've known about Epic Seven for a long time, and they've been telling me to get on, you know, get onto it. You know, after a little while, I decided to get onto it, and now I've been playing through that, grinding and whatnot. And now that I kind of understand a little bit, like, one of them, one of my coworkers, they're really, like, into it. Like, they know what units are good with what items and this and that. So it's a little bit easier to get into it when you under when you have somebody that understands it and can explain why this unit goes well with these items and why you should team these people up together and um yeah i've been having a good time playing that i've also been yeah i've been jumping between that i've been playing a lot of overwatch like i'm back on it like every once in a while i'll get off of overwatch and this last stint was probably my longest away from Overwatch, like maybe a few months or a little bit longer than that. But I've been I've been like back on it. I've been participating in the events that they had going on. And so, yeah, I've been having fun with that, you know, watching the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, that that was, you know, preparing for this. That was a good time. I, I enjoyed that. So yeah, that's what I've been up to, you know, not too crazy, but, you know, just doing my gaming and, and my uh, TV show watching. How about you? What have you been up to? Uh, before I go over to what I've been up to, um, I got a couple comments. The Epic Seven, is it something that you re would recommend other people play? Is it, is it a good time? Are there a lot of units? I want to know a little more about that. Oh, okay. So Epic Seven is, it's fun. So I wouldn't give Epic Seven a full yes or no. It all depends on how you feel about gotchas. If you're interested in maybe something new, a different IP, it's really fun. Like I like it. Uh, there, there is a bit of a grind to it. One of the things that I like about it is that 
it's actually pretty generous when it comes to its in-game currency. That's the one thing about gotchas. We know that a lot of these games, if you want to be able to progress fast or if you aren't really patient, then you got to drop money. But at least for the beginning of this so far, they, they've given me a lot, you know, they're summoning materials, but I enjoy, right, cool. I enjoyed if you, if you like something that, or if you're interested in a new IP, then go for it. I think it's really cool because it does have a story and sometimes in the story, it has these really cool animated cutscenes. And I mean, when it says like, like when I say anime cutscenes, it's like full on anime. Um, not That's like an cool. episode. It's they're usually like you know a few seconds, but it's so good that I'm surprised it's not an anime. It's really yeah. high quality. So, so is it is it based on anything or it's just the game? No, it's not based on anything at all. The, the, That's kind of cool. It's the only yeah. It's like one of the first games like that that I've seen. Well, not there, there's a lot of gotchas that that are not tied to anything, but something this high quality or something that that i enjoy like this that isn't tied to another ip like they have the seven deadly sins one they have the dan machi one so it's really cool they have one for like everything they have a naruto one right have, uh, one piece yeah so this one is cool because it's not tied to anything cool and it's good to hear that you're back into overwatch it's funny though like you, that's that's the sign of a good game is that you can like be you can separate yourself uh, a month out or a couple months out and come back to it and still love it yeah just the same so that's pretty cool all right so as far as what i've been up to this past week i listened to a new audio drama uh star wars audio drama called dr afra and it's based on the first like couple comics from the star wars run and the darth vader run Ooh. and the runs from 2015 so they they immediately take place uh concurrently the star wars run and the darth vader run right after the death star is destroyed so it's telling the story of how um the rebels are trying to run from the empire and darth vader on the other side of things is trying to discover who blew up the death star uh how it's possible that there's uh, another person named Skywalker from Tatooine, uh, and and so on. So it's he's you're you're seeing Vader come to these conclusions through the eyes of this almost like Indiana Jones, like an evil Indiana Jones character named Doctor Afra. She's like an archaeologist, a space archaeologist and thief, uh, and she's trying to figure out Darth Vader's secret alongside Vader, basically. So it's it's just a really cool audio drama so they adapt those comic runs into this audio drama from her perspective and uh i i, I had a i had a good time it's pretty cool nice yeah so that was fun nice that sounds like something would you say it's worth checking out yeah it's a good it's a good time i think the narration of the book is a little annoying just because i i kind of find her her character to be a little bit annoying mm. uh dr afra I, I mean, sometimes it's funny, but she's so cocky, like in literally every situation. And like her, her whole thing is like, I am the greatest and I am this and I am that. So that gets annoying after five hours. 
Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, the story is really good. And some of the revelations that, uh, and like the, the, the plot about how Vader is learning all this stuff about Luke Skywalker and he's going through his past is really cool. Nice. So that's for just for that I would I would recommend nice. it. Nice. Jen and I both watched uh, Wreck It Ralph and Ralph Breaks the Internet this past week and that was the first time that she had ever watched uh, either of those. Oh really? And I I had never seen the second one so it was it was a oh, fun time. Oh nice. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. Yeah, because yeah, I enjoyed um, the first one a lot, especially as a gamer. There's a lot of right. video game references in it. Yeah, that's a it, it's actually really good, and it's it basically if you, if you haven't seen Wreck It Ralph or don't know the premise of it, it's kind of the story of Toy Story, but instead of toys, it's an arcade full of arcade characters and like what they do after hours. Uh, yeah, and they all kind of like hang out and like the the i guess the hub they they have ways to go through the power of each of the arcade machines to like jump into each other's games and stuff so it's kind of fun that was a good time and the second one is basically like the arcade is like upgrading to wi-fi and they now have access to the internet of things so <laughs> yeah uh that that's that's a really fun time yeah so that's i think that's what i've been up to <laughs> I'm sure I've, I'm positive I've done other things. You know, I've, I also watched a couple Clone Wars. I'm, I'm catching up slowly. I, I watched the episodes with, uh, where Ahsoka gets kidnapped and has to find her way off planet before being hunted by a bunch of Trandoshans. Oh, yeah. That was a fun episode, or a couple episodes. It was, you know, it's showing Ahsoka becoming more uh, independent and showing her use some of the skills that she learned from Anakin. Um, and had a fun little cameo from Chewbacca. That was pretty cool. Yeah, the I'm telling you, the the further you get into that show, it just it, it gets it just so keeps going. yeah, it, it gets so good. I'm like at the tail end of season three now. I'm there's no way I'm gonna make it in time for Bad Batch this coming week. Uh, oh, I can't the wait. First episode of the Bad Batch uh, episode one comes out May fourth. May the fourth be with you. Yeah, that was so, cool we'll, in uh, season seven and that i think it's pretty cool that they had such an impact that now they have their own tv show i think that was actually always the plan you know i think it was a backdoor pilot sort of thing where like they introduced these characters showed the people in charge that these characters could work on their own right and and you know they 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 jumped off from there so that's pretty cool right right they they probably wouldn't have gone forward with it though if you know if they didn't have a good reception like if people don't really care for them i think it's cool I, I i'll i'm definitely interested in watching to see what they do with them and i haven't delved too deep into what it's supposed to be about but is it supposed to be post clone wars or is it yeah mission yeah it's post clone wars oh, okay so it's i think it's directly after order 66 and how the empire takes control and like their role in it um and i think there's probably going to be a little bit of uh obviously defection i, I mean i hope I, I hope it's not just a bunch of clone uh, bad clones you know but uh we'll we'll see oh well i guess they are the ba like a bad batch so they probably wouldn't have or they wouldn't be as hardwired into like the order 66 things as some of their well uh, you know you, you know about them though brothers. right 
like I mean, you've seen them that they yeah. they they're pretty much look way different than the rest of the clones, and they're very much different from the other clones. The other clones they would have their own personalities, but these ones are very different from the other clones. Mm. So it's that's cool. Yeah, like there's like this one like really huge one that's like the <laughs> tank. Um, I forgot his name. That's awesome. But it, yeah, it's that's cool. awesome. I I think when, once you get, I know that um, the later seasons of Clone Wars are amazing, but when you get to season seven, man, there's there's a lot of like emotional stake into it. So for me, because I love I'd be, Clone I'd Wars, I'd be interested. Um, sorry, I'd be interested in doing um, a season seven review here on Project Ecology at some point. Oh, for sure. Give me another reason to watch through it. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. All right, let's jump into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Let's we do don't it. got all day here. We do, we only have twenty four hours, and we only want to use three of them. Two. I don't even. One. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. All right, so Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like I said in our introduction to the to the podcast. It takes place in a world after the uh, snap returned everyone uh, back from basic extinction, non-existence. Right, they you call know? it the so, blip. Yeah, in-universe they call it the blip because they most people probably don't realize that it was a big purple dude from another you know, planet that snapped half of the universe away. So they're, I, I think for the average human out there, they have no idea why half of their loved ones disappeared and i'm sure there's plenty of like in-world conspiracy theories as to the fact but yeah so they call it the blip in the marvel cinematic universe so six months after that they're still trying to figure out how to bring everyone back to normalcy obviously there has to have been like a ton of chaos that ensued after that uh, we saw a little bit of it in wandavision when they brought back half the universe and um we, we saw it like the the chaos that was going on inside the hospital when monica rambo was brought back so imagine that literally everywhere in the world there probably was you know looting and riots and you know the opposite of what happened probably uh, five years prior when everyone was blown away so you know things have kind of returned to normal but there are billions who are displaced their homes are probably sold off by the banks to new buyers or whatever. People have remarried. Kids have grown up. There's there's a bunch of different ramifications that come with the whole six month later thing. Right. What do you think would be like the hardest part about everyone coming back to life? Because there, there's a lot that like, you know, you don't think about it. But in the world we live in, that's like very like uh you know it revolves around like ownership of land and familial relations and stuff like that there's there's a lot of like baggage that comes with bringing everyone back to life like that right i think one of the the hardest things is after a while of grieving you you know come to this acceptance and so you move on with your life and then these people come back into your lives uh, as far as you know family and 
your mind is probably going through a rush. It's like rambling. It's like, oh my gosh, where did this person come from? They disappeared. I thought they were gone forever. Now they're back. I don't know what to do. I'm obviously I'm happy to see them, but you know, my mind was, was so, you know, made up that they were gone for, you know, blood family that it's one thing, but for marriage, I could see that being like really hard. It, yeah. Imagine you, 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 you're fully in love with someone. They're fully in love back. And then you suddenly wake up one day, five years later, they have uh, remarried are trying to figure out what to do because you know they've probably already had like licenses of or certificates of death and stuff right what do you do yeah so it's it's a crazy process i would like to see them explore that more i wish they did explore that more in falcon and the winter soldier uh and i wish they did explore that a little bit more in wandavision too you know i understand wandavision they didn't um, have the luxury of doing that because it was mostly contained within a fictional reality that Wanda had constructed in Westview. But with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, we do see a little bit of it. We do see a little bit of the uh, the GRC, the Global Repatriation Council camps, and like people displaced um, in different countries and stuff. Yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit about that. We yeah. we do have in the first episode. The fact that they're trying to get uh, a loan. Sam and his sister. What's his sister's name? I forget off the top of my head. Uh, Sarah Wilson. Yes. So we have that. Let's talk a little bit about that. Because the bank does not clearly want to give them anything. And I think that they're probably doing that for everyone. You know? I feel like they're probably in a bind with everything. And I... I, I I understand like where the banks are coming from, you know, like all of a sudden half the people that uh, we once did business with are back. And how do we tell them we can't help you? You know, something that I like about that moment, though, is that the banker, it, it addresses superheroes and uh, money. And mm. he he's talking about like, well, do, you know, isn't there some sort of funds that, you know, Stark set up? No, these people are not getting paid money to be superheroes, you know? Which is super funny to think about. To like, think cause... about it. I mean, because these people, they have these powers. You would think that they're really rich when, in, in all honesty, it was Tony Stark that's rich. Mm. And he had this thing set up. So it made, it really like gave off the vibe that they were making money no they weren't making money how they paid for some of the stuff that they had they never really like explore or if it was you know stark paying for everything but yeah that i thought that was an interesting way and i'm glad that they added that because sam was like no that's not how it works <laughs> It's an interesting exploration. And, right. You know, if you really think about each individual hero and their circumstances in life. Exactly. Um, you can kind of like start to understand and build that picture. Like, yeah, they're, they're clearly not like they're clearly not being paid. You know, uh, Peter Parker still lives with his aunt. Uh, you have Bucky Barnes, who, who for whatever reason doesn't even own furniture in his apartment. <laughs> he's got a, he's there's that scene where he's watching TV um, and he's just sitting on the floor. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. Um, 
we have um, Steve Rogers, who probably would have gotten, you know, pretty good pay having been in the military, but he was declared dead. So I don't think that fun necessarily uh, still exists for him, even though he was Captain America. And in the first Avenger, we see he's living in some gym or something. So, I mean, it goes it goes throughout all the characters. Uh, we, We learn a little bit about them. And yeah, most of them are just doing the right thing because they 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 want to because they they can be something more than what they are so yeah that was a good point and i'm glad you brought that up because that is something that i think is very fascinating yeah so yeah so they they did not get the funds that they need to keep the ship afloat her parents ships right uh, right their parents parents, uh shrimping boat yeah because they're in uh louisiana Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, that 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 was a uh, that was very uh, Forrest Gump of them to have a shrimping boat. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, that yeah that that was the whole purpose of them going for that loan. They wanted to get money to keep this ship going. It was or yeah, this boat going because I mean it was a disrepair. It they they didn't have the money to fix it. And it needed a lot of fixing. I thought about like the gall that it must have taken for the banker to tell him that we haven't seen any income from you in five years. Like, what? I would be, I'd be throwing fists, man. Like, be, uh, obviously, it, it's like the only thing that sucks for him though is that yeah, that like if 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 he got out of hand, it would have been you yeah, know Avenger I, beats that banker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for real, it'd be like, well, I mean. Did you not see? I mean, you know who I am. Do you not see what's going on? You know, like yeah. I'm protecting. I'm helping to protect this world. And uh, right, right. And with Bucky, I like that. I like what they're doing, or I, I like what they did. That they, you know, he's got this burden on himself, and the you know the old uh, Asian man that that he befriended, and he's helping out. You eventually find out that Bucky kills his son, but yeah. it's not. But I don't think it was because he was a target, but he just happened no, to be yeah. there. It was. It, it, it was, was wrong. wrong, wrong yeah, exactly. The fact that you know Bucky sought out the father and befriended him. Uh, he was really trying to, you know, make up for what he what he's done. Bucky is such a tragic character. Yeah, because. He didn't want any of that. Mm. Obviously, nobody nobody wants to become an assassin, you know, ruled by Hydra that is, you know, kept in cryo-freeze until you're ready to, like, hit your next target. That's terrible. But the fact that he actually remembered all of those faces, all the people that he killed, is kind of just... It, it's, it's, a, it's a worse burden, honestly, than just forgetting about it. So, yeah, there was some really gut-wrenching winter soldier moments yeah the, yeah there is the thing that i like about the winter soldier though is that a way in, in a lot of ways that is very re- relatable because i mean while yeah you you and i haven't gone out and you know assassinated a bunch of people there's been you know there, there might be moments in our lives where you know something that we might do something that we're not exactly happy about and so 
in in our minds we might get into a place to where we feel like we have to do something to make up for it when really sam did uh you know he, he gave him pretty much the perfect thing like you, you're trying to you know go to these people and say sorry instead of doing you know instead of saying it just you know serve them help them out in any way that they can and bucky was able to do that you know for the old asian man by you know confessing that hey you know the reason why your son died was because i killed him you know yeah and that was a so, sad moment yeah no there were there were a couple really sad moments you know when you first realize what he's doing for the old man and why he's doing it um in the first episode that's you know i didn't that's a place i did not expect the mcu to ever go but the MCU is a constant surprise, even for like big fans like you or I. You know, like right. I mean, with WandaVision, so much, nobody expected a, a sitcom-based television series, but here we are. We we live in a in a world post WandaVision. We live in a world post Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where we get to explore some of the crazier things. We got Loki next. Yeah, with Loki too. Like we're we're getting all of these shows that um, you wouldn't get stories of in the movies you know like right it's it's really fascinating and so with with this conversation i don't think we're going to be going necessarily in a chronological order because i think we're going to be talking about just the major arcs of each character some of the side plots some of the major plots because already we've jumped back and forth like several times from the beginning to the end uh let, let's talk about the resolution with uh sam wilson and his family and um, I really like that subplot quite a bit. I really like the fact that he's just such a down-to-earth guy, and he's trying to do what's best I for know. his family. I know, man, dude. Sam is such a—he's such a likable character. And the more the show progresses, you start to realize why Captain America chose him. He didn't see it himself, but. Steve Rogers saw that and that's why he passed the shield off to Sam. And yeah. you um Bucky sees it over the over the period of time too. And Bucky had the reason we find out the reason why Bucky had beef for Sam. Sam turns the shield over to the government because he feels that he doesn't own it, that he shouldn't own it. And Bucky has real strong dislike of that because he feels he and he says he's well if if uh steve was wrong about you then he was wrong about me and i love how captain america is the benchmark of the good kind-hearted person in the universe because he really is you know he's he's the superman uh clark kent type character of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Obviously, he doesn't have Superman's powers or anything, but the actual idea of like a big blue Boy Scout in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain America is that guy. Right. He's he has a moral compass that always points north, and um, yeah, it, it's I, I love characters like that, man. And you you get you have so much respect for Captain America and the uh, I guess what he stands for, not just America right. language. Know, it, it, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did he just say language? <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that was awesome. Um, but yeah, no. I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, yeah, Captain America, uh, he is such a great character. 
I love the fact that everyone respects him too in, in that respect, you know, like they, they all see that they respect his judgment. So Bucky is so content in like uh, leaving the shield up to Sam because it was because it was Steve's desire right. that he doesn't question it one bit because you know he 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 respects Steve's judgment so much. I love that about I love that about everyone on the show, you know. As, but like Bucky, um, especially because he grew up with him, yeah, before he was a super soldier, right? There, yeah. For for Bucky, there is a there is a stronger emotional foundation there because Bucky knew Steve when he was like this like tiny little skinny guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can do this all day. Um, and so you know he somebody who pushed hard to get to where he was. I mean, we 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 saw Steve. I mean, you 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 go to see him in um, Captain America: The First Avenger, and he was always that person that was pushing hard he wanted to make sure that he you know he's the smallest guy out there but he wants to show that he can keep up you know and so yeah he built you know he gets to this character he becomes this character that everybody respects so much and you know through that hard work and so who i, I can't blame bucky for looking up to captain america so much because he gave him the benefit of the doubt you know especially yeah, throughout yeah. winter soldier bucky had no control over his actions and instead of you know captain america chasing after him uh or like trying to take him down he wants to he, he wants to catch him and, and try to figure out what's going on why are you doing this stuff yeah, I, I totally agree. And not just Winter Soldier, but like Cap sticks his head out for um, Bucky in Civil War. Oh, yeah. And go, goes against um, the Avengers, basically. So, yeah, there, there's so much to, to like explore from the mind of Bucky and like why he feels the way he does about um, his friends and stuff. So I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Um, They're both really good characters. And yeah. The thing that I like about the MCU and they've done they've done such a fantastic job so far of this is taking characters that people don't really care for in the comics. I mean, before the MCU, people really didn't care for, you know, the Winter Soldier or Bucky or the Falcon or Vision. Heck, even Iron Man. Iron Man was a C-tier oh character. Goodness, Iron Man. Iron Man was like we knew who Iron Man was, but nobody cared about Iron Man. I feel like, I mean, the top of the list was what X Men, maybe um, Spider Man and Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. Spider Man, uh, Fantastic Four, um, Daredevil was more popular than Iron Man at one point. Yeah, yeah. So, I I do like that they've done that and they've made these characters. I, I like Sam and Bucky. They're very different characters, but there's something that draws them together that that they make it feel so natural like they they play off of each other's strengths you know oh they have such chemistry and i think that's that's the reason like this show even exists right because and uh, as soon as they meet each other um i think it was in civil war oh when they're sitting in they, the back they seat? just <laughs> yeah they're, they're not like they smog. hate each other yeah they're <laughs> oh my gosh i love that yeah that uh 
they did they did really good and the transition from the disdain to the mutual respect was such a good natural like it it for me it didn't feel like a light switch it felt gradual you know totally um, totally yeah i think i think that they did fantastic i think that uh anthony mackie did a, he's done a fantastic job as well now captain america and mm-hmm. uh sebastian stan i mean he just he's got this presence they both have this presence when you see them on, on the screen and this chemistry that's fantastic and i mean it it, it was a good show i i really enjoyed yeah. it i mean it started off a little slow but i mean that's usually how tv shows start off these days i i also think that the show i, I don't think it's I think it's a good show. I don't think it's a great show. Right. Uh, and I will talk about a little bit of like uh, our problems with it. But one of my favorite scenes actually uh, opens up one of the episodes. It's the scene where Bucky is in Wakanda and he oh, is yeah. being. They're doing the Winter Soldier, I guess, keywords that like unlock his assassin mind. But this is after the fact that um, right, like they like deprogrammed Shuri, him essentially. Yeah, yeah, Shuri deprogrammed him, and it's it's crazy. The like that was probably some of the best acting on the show is Sebastian Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes realizing that he's no longer the winter soldier and that he's free he's finally free of that burden that really touched me like i really found that that was um really powerful storytelling in the mcu it was so i love i love that kind of stuff and that Um, fear that he showed i mean you saw that he was really afraid when he was hearing the words like he was afraid that he was gonna snap into that winter soldier mode like i mean he was kind of bracing for it and then mm-hmm. yeah when he realized that he was free that emotional just like kind of breakdown was yeah you i agree it was some really good acting yeah so i mean we we uh we have some returning characters um that we should talk about while we're on the subject of wakanda we we have some of the uh dora milaje that come back um yeah that was cool. florence kasumba as ao uh, she comes back and she's kind of like the main one that he's interacting with and she's the one who you know performs the uh, like reads off the words that would normally make him the winter soldier so it was really cool and that's like part of the, the cool thing about like phase four and the shows and stuff is that you get to explore the wider world of Marvel you know like right we we get to go over to Latvia and we have uh, Baron Zemo, we have uh, Wakanda and Dora Milaje characters. And then you have Emily Van Camp who plays uh, Sharon Carter. She's back. We haven't seen her since Civil War. Right, yeah, it's been and, a while. Uh, they, they introduced Madripoor, which is a fictional city from the Marvel comics that might, might play a big role later, down, later on down the line. But uh, that's that's for another conversation. That was cool. I actually liked that that moment in the TV show. Um, it, it was cool. It had a cool vibe. It yeah, was it cool. cool it showed the it showed more of like an underworld of the Marvel world, you know. And it was yeah, like definitely. very. It wasn't like over the top. It 
was it felt very natural like it, it was like oh this place could very very much exist anywhere in the world right right um we also got a a cameo from don Cheadle in the first episode as sam is giving up the shield oh back yeah to that's america right. yeah don, don Cheadle shows up for a brief little thing um it's a, it's a weird kind of thing but it makes sense in in character for him because he works for the u.s uh air force um so yeah, I, I love how they're just building out this world and they're building it out of the events that have previously occurred like in Endgame right. and Infinity War. And because this is a post-Endgame thing, uh, specifically six months after the fact, um, we have a changed world with new rules. And, you know, we have, we have to talk about the Global Repatriation Act. We talked a little bit about... Um, what they're planning but there is a a group that actively wants that to stop they feel like this is um, infringing on the freedom and like the life that they made during the five-year blip that's the flag smashers it's kind of interesting that they're called flag smashers because uh, that is a comic book group uh, a villain group in the comics that are actually flag smashing terrorists like they like I think their introduction into the comics they were actually smashing flagpoles and stuff which is kind of a funny thing to do but I don't know that like Jen made a good point to me like I don't know if I've ever seen people burn or destroy flags even in movies like you see it like on YouTube or whatever but like in a Hollywood movie do they ever like destroy flags because I don't remember ever seeing that right and I don't know, it like, be, I, I just, I might, felt like the organization, I felt like that name for that organization just didn't go well. It didn't fit. No, it, it didn't and fit. Their, their whole yeah. goal. Because I don't think they were for, um, like, destroying sovereign borders or anything like that. I don't think they were about, like, bringing down governments. They just didn't like the Repatriation Council, which was almost like a UN sort of thing. Right, it was, it was essentially like a UN side side project to get everybody that moved. You know that every, it's like everybody that survived the blip, and if they're in a place that they're not supposed to be, quote unquote, you know, living in somebody else's house, that they move to these um, relocation camps. You know, and yeah. in a way, I don't blame them. Because it almost sounds like a concentration camp. You know, you're putting these people in camps, internment camps. Is it the same way? It, it you know, would have been the same thing? Probably not. But putting all these people into a camp, that, that just doesn't sound all that good, you know? And uh, yeah, Sam has like a good moment about that towards the end of the show. It's interesting. Like you're not supposed to hate the flag smashers right but you're not supposed to actively like them or agree with them so a lot of the entire show is um viewing the flag smashers as and, and carly morgenthau specifically as this terrorist organization and they're a threat that sam and bucky have to deal with alongside um john walker who we'll get to in a in a minute but we find out that they've taken the super soldier serum thanks to some guy in madripoor who uh figured out the serum and has been making it yeah or they they give baron zemo the the idea and like 
uh, know-how to break himself out of prison, and he does. And I, I, I love Zemo so much. <laughs> I, I know really that they. So the last time we see Zemo in uh, Winter Soldier, you you want to not like him. You know, like he was like a clear villain. But then they put him into this show and then you like him. And then they have an extended cut of him on the internet dancing because people wanted it. Which, A, I love the internet because that exists. And I, and people can like actually request stuff like that nowadays. Like the whole Justice League Snyder cut and now they're doing the Restore the Snyderverse thing. And yeah, the fact that they restored the Zemo cut was hilarious so um oh my gosh i don't know if you have you seen it yeah it's it's like 20 seconds or something of him dancing on the dance floor it's yeah it's a bit it's a lot longer than like what we got in the show but i absolutely love it because like you you could tell that like you know it, it was it was just him like dancing and then i guess they decided like what part to like cut out to put into put into the actual tv show but it was like so good because it, like I could see that being used as like pro- like promotional material. Like you want to see more of this? Go watch yeah. the Falcon Hunter Soldier, <laughs> and then you just see it's Zemo so dancing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but so yeah, funny. they make they make Zemo like very likable, but then they also bring you back to the Earth to make you realize that he's a villain because I mean he does have his moments. Where he's like, oh, well, this girl, she has to die. You know, he, he's like, Harley has to die. Yeah. And it- well, it's Daniel Brühl, uh, his, his uh, Helmet Zemo cam- character is such an interesting one because he's not evil. Right. But he's not good. He, like, he has uh, a sense of justice that is very, like, non-wavering. And right. it's harsh. Right, right. So, it's with the the super soldiers. He's like, you know, we don't want he, you know, he doesn't want these super soldiers. Like he doesn't like that uh, Hydra was was creating them, and you know, he was doing everything he can to stop them. You know, he doesn't want these super soldiers in the world messing things up and you know, essentially, you know, killing people. And right. it is crazy because he does have this sense of justice but it's like thanos like thanos had this like what 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 he what he had a noble thought in his mind but the way he was going about it was the wrong way you know same thing with with zemo you know they make these the mcu has done a really good job in like taking villains and you're like man i like this person you know like ulysses claw like you like i mean come on dude like you like him too yeah, yeah. So, Zemo, you know... Killmonger's another yeah, one. Yeah, he comes know? along, and it's like, at first, you couldn't stand him, but then by the end of the show, you love him. But he, he does a lot of things that, like, um, seem contrary to the plot, but actually make sense in character for him. Because, right. And I, I love that when they, they're capable of making characters have individual goals, you know? Yeah. They can work as a collective, but individually they each have their own goals, and baron zemo his sole goal is to get rid of any and all um super soldiers except for captain america because 
I think several times in the show, they, they mentioned the fact that there's only been one good super soldier. It's only worked once, and it was Steve Rogers. Yeah. And I, I think I think it ultimately comes down to who you are before you take the serum, you know? It, it just amplifies what's already there. I like it when Bucky and Sam get together with him and they go to that plane and they're like, they, they'll be like, you've been rich this whole time while you're in jail? He said, well, I am a baron. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, um, man. Zemo. Oh, man. The best Zemo scene, the best Zemo scene is when the Dormelage come to, I think it's Latvia, and they break down the, the door and they're fighting uh, John Walker and sam and falcon are like in on it too and zemo's just there drinking tea it's like the it's like the baby yoda meme where he's like drinking a cup of soup (laughs) yeah and and he just like walks out like (laughs) these idiots yeah i love that i know he let's go he does such a great job let's go back to the flag smashers because i think it's interesting do you think that they were based on anything in like reality or like people that we see in reality I think that there is some, maybe not as extreme, but I can see a resemblance of of them wanting to essentially create like a united world, and mm-hmm. I think that re- I think that's really what the name comes from, is that they it's a meta metaphoric flag smashing. Uh, so instead of there being individual countries, it's more of a united world. Not saying that the countries are gone, but that the world isn't separated as it is today. And there are people out there that want a more united world. Maybe not in the same way that they do on a TV show, but I could do I, I do see some like resemblance in that kind of way. I don't know. How about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I see extremist personality, you know, and I think based on, I think it's Lamar uh, or Battlestar. He tells um, John Walker that the super soldier serum just kind of amplifies what's already there. So if you are willing to commit violence for what you think is right, then the extreme of that will be terrorism. You know, yeah. And in some instances, they are terrorists. You know, they blow up a building with people in it. Yeah. And yeah. some of them, some of them have some some problems with that. You know, they they don't all have the same conviction that Carly Morgenthau has. Now, right. do I think Carly Morgenthau is a bad person or wants wants to harm people? That's another question. And I I I, I don't think that she's bad, but she's definitely at least the show portrays her as someone who has gone too far in her pursuit for what she thinks is right yeah um i I think we we see you know groups pop up um in america and around the world revolutionaries or political activists that many will brand as extremists or terrorists and i think that was kind of the intention of the flag smashers is to just kind of like shine shine a light on that without um, pointing the finger at any one group that exists yeah. in today's political climate and the and the world or whatever, um, but it's interesting to show that they're not necessarily bad people, but they have made poor choices in their uh, you know their attempt to try and do what's right. So that was interesting to me. I I, I liked where they were going with that. 
Did you like Carly Morgenthau as a character, or what, did you find her like more annoying? Because I, my, I, she was always kind of on the more annoying side for me. I feel like she was back and forth. Uh, sometimes she could be this character that seemed like she was throwing a tantrum. Right. And then there's those moments where she would go through with something and even she wasn't 100% on board with it. And you could tell that she had reservations for some of the things that she did. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I did like some of the other characters uh, in the Flag Smashers. Like the, um, there was one named Dovich, played by Desmond's uh, GM. I, I really liked him as a character. I thought that he was just the most level-headed of the Super Soldier Flag Smasher dudes. One thing that I want to bring out that you may not have noticed, but is kind of apparent when you like watch the show with this in mind, is that they definitely cut a lot of the story out of like what the goal of the Flag Smashers was. So in the first or the second episode, when they they find Carly Morgenthau on the truck, Bucky he goes, they're 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 shipping medicine, vaccines, and that is kind of a weird thing. And then later on, we have some characters in both Madripoor, and we see some Flag Smashers wearing face masks, like medical face masks. We have Carly Morgenthau's mentor was a character named Donya Madani, and she ends up dying from some unknown illness that, like, while she's on, like, some bedspread in a room full of other really sick individuals. Now, we have no idea what this sickness is, but even in the credits of the show, we have, like, biohazard symbols, like, popping up here and there. So it's pretty clear they had... Um, more of a subplot involving some so some sort of virus or illness or contagion that they either refilmed or cut out of the show entirely, which explains why some of their stuff is a little hollow. You know, right. a lot of the story and the goal um, is kind of hard to explain and you really have to dig deep into it. But I think because we you know, live in a world where we have been um, in and out of lockdown. You know, some countries have been in and out of lockdown for over a year now. I think they decided to just not try and make it as timely as possible and cut the the sickness bit out of it. Mm. Like they're, they're trying to avoid a touchy subject. Yeah, which I don't think necessarily would have been touchy subject, but I think right. a lot of people would have assumed because it was coming out after or like during COVID that they made the show as a response to COVID. But I guess in my mind, I think the the biggest um, reason I think that they cut that out was specifically because none of the main characters or um, the, 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 the actors on screen are doing any type of social distancing or wearing face masks or doing anything. And that could be seen as bad publicity for Marvel. You know, you have a bunch of characters in a pandemic not abiding by CDC regulations. So I think they just cut that out of the story. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So yeah, I don't no, know. I, I mean, that. yeah, no, I, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't really looking at that or really paying attention to that. I was paying attention to the, the bigger 
parts of the story but that i, I that that is a good little tidbit that that you noticed there yeah it's it's an interesting one um i i i kind of wish i we could see that kind of story i feel like the show would be better if we did have that be but like i think marvel was just relatable. trying if not just relatable then cohesive you know the flag smashers would have a more understandable goal like are they spreading a virus are they trying to stop a virus that was created by people coming back from the blip what's going on you know we we have no idea right so and that's one of those things we might not ever know but let's talk about john walker yes i knew that we needed to get to that to that point yeah we get john walker as the new captain america at the end of episode one and of course that's a, a shocking reveal you see a whole bunch of people posting online that and they, they're making fun of it that that uh john walker was on screen for like five seconds and everybody hated him and then right. the actual villain or an actual villain in the mcu is more loved than john walker <laughs> <laughs> it's true though like what what's up with that i know right what are your thoughts on john walker or uh you know as captain america and did you ever feel like you related to him or you you i don't think what, what I, I don't think that i felt like i related to him but i do feel like his character and in, you know in your words and not so much like bucky but i feel like his character is kind of a tragic character too because he is trying to li live up to this icon and i feel bad because i mean it is really hard to to fill those shoes and he realizes that and so he makes that decision to take that serum to you know become a super soldier he wants to become more like captain america and i feel like his i feel like his ideals are in the right place but his execution is not like he wants to be good he wants to do the right thing but he's not doing the right thing and the serum right. is and the serum already took his uh, you know skewed way of doing things and made it worse yeah it's interesting because he's a he's a military man you know right. he's trained to engage encounters a certain way he's um he's a very he's very much like a get in and get out as quick as possible um and finish the fight before it's begun type of guy you know and he approaches fights that way you know he approaches carly morgenthau uh at at like the funeral of what's her what's her name uh danya madani and everyone else is like trying to tell him just just give sam 10 minutes just just give her give him 10 minutes to talk her down you know and he's just like he's pacing around like no i can't i can't i gotta do it and he's very much a he's trained to be a leader you know he's um led people into battle he's you know according to uh his friend lamar that, that is his name right yeah lamar, lamar aka Battlestar. yeah he's consistently making the right decisions in the heat of battle but the heat of battle when it comes to a public setting versus uh wartime is very different and i think that 
that gets kind of like lost in translation when a lot of people are viewing him as a villain of sorts, you know? Right, and, right. Like with uh, with Steve, he had um, with Steve he had learned a good way of he learned how to resolve things without taking that for you know at that without taking force you know without using force and that was what sam was trying to do and this is where you see what captain america saw that sam was trying to talk his way he was trying to be diplomatic and it he was breaking through you know to carly and carly was starting to come around and then this is where yeah the the military training kicks in for walker and he goes in and just like completely destroys everything yeah i I really did like the hesitation that he had for taking the super soldier serum he knew that there had only ever been one good super soldier and that was steve rogers he didn't know if he could live up to that and i don't think he ever thought that he could live up to steve rogers legacy and I even like from the beginning of the show, you when they introduce you to John Walker, he's not a bad guy, you know? He's yeah. just the guy that they picked. Right. And right. um in the locker room, right? And he yeah, he seems like an upstanding guy. And at the end of the day, at the end of the show, I still don't think that he's that bad of a guy. I just think that he made poor decisions, you know, that obviously had repercussions to them. But I don't think that he's a bad guy by the end of the show. I mean, you see what happens at the end of the show with him. Yeah, well, we'll get we'll get in on that a little bit later. But when it comes to um, him taking the serum and then kind of going like uh, roid rage crazy and killing one of those guys in like a public setting with everyone and their cameras on. First of all, what a great scene. Like, did, again, it's like one of those things, you will never expect what's coming next in the MCU. I did not expect someone to be bludgeoned to death by a shield, by Captain America. Um, right, right. That I mean, that's like on par with, like, if you saw uh, Superman in public just, like, beating a guy to death. Right. That It's just, not that I like that, obviously, but it's just so shocking and it makes for good TV because you have to you're you're wondering like next week what's going to happen what are they going to do they're going to revoke his title as captain america probably right and you know they do so but what i like about that courtroom scene is he 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 actually says something along the lines of you made me this is what you did to me you know um like you've you've ingrained these fighting techniques and values in me for years and you've rewarded me but now that i am this icon you're taking it away from me and right yeah it's right they it's they, such a bizarre thing right like they praised him for doing or you know they praised him for you know taking action during a wartime setting you know he he does have a right to be outraged in a way because this is what he's known through his life uh you know neutralizing an enemy and this person was pretty much an enemy it's just since he had the suit on this is why he was being ostracized 
If it was in any right. other well, setting. I mean, it, it was also an act of re- revenge, which is something not super heroic. Right, you know? right. He, he was a emotionally compromised because his best friend and, you know, partner for, I'm assuming, many years, Battlestar, was killed by one of these people. And he wanted to take revenge. So, I mean, there's there's multiple sides you can look at it. Obviously, he wasn't a great guy, but he wasn't a bad guy. And it, it, I think you can look at a lot of the characters in this show with that light. And I think what's fascinating and what's so human about it is that people are like that you know nobody is 100 good uh they each have their own values goals things that they want to get done um, at the expense of others you know so it's kind of it's a balancing act and you're you're what the falcon and the winter soldier does so well is you know trying to explain some of that um by showing you they could be really good they could be really bad right and at the end of the day they're just very human exactly and i do the thing that i like about this show is that it really does show that not everything is black and white and that there are people that are seemingly good that do make bad decisions right and yeah absolutely and you can tell that he does realize that he did wrong and i think that that's what you know that's important for his character and um and we're obviously going to talk more about how the the show ends in a little bit but you do see him trying to make an effort to rectify that yeah so let's talk a bit a little bit about uh we'll sideline that conversation because we should talk about um both isaiah bradley and sharon carter before we close up our discussion um isaiah bradley is a character they've never introduced previously in the mcu it's a character that apparently at one point uh like got in a scuffle with bucky and you know whooped his butt so that being said it's a character that from his own personal experience was treated so poorly and uh, the show makes it seem as though, and it probably was, because he was black. You know, he was a black super soldier um, in a world that still suffers from systemic racism. And I think it, it's such an interesting thing because you and I, Anthony, we were born in southern Florida. We were both raised in very, I guess, diverse neighborhoods. So we grew up in a world that was post-civil rights movement, you know? We always went to schools and stuff with uh, black classmates and black friends, and and we we never really experienced the, or at least from our point of view, we we never, actually, I'll just say from my point of view, I never noticed systemic racism growing up, you know, because we were told that we had moved past that as a society. Right. But the more that we, you know, live to experience such things um, and see, see stuff unfold in, you know, the real world and uh, how people are treated, it's becoming more and more apparent that um, systemic racism from the ground up is ingrained in our culture. And it's truly unfortunate. But I really appreciate and applaud 
Falcon and the Winter Soldier for touching on super touchy subjects. Yeah. You know, sometimes they went really hard on it, and sometimes they, you know, just it, it was just part of the nature of the show. You know, because you're dealing with a new character who is going to become the first Black Captain America. You know, so it's really right. And I, and they, you know what? Like, and sorry to to cut you off. Go ahead. Go they, ahead. They did have those moments where, remember, one of the the little kids are like, "Oh, hey, it's the Black Falcon." He's like, no, it's just the Falcon. What do you want? What do you want me to go call you, Black Kid? Um, you right, know, like yeah. like that. So, I do think that, you know, it's important. It, it, it was important to to like that that it's that it made him, you know, that it shows him who he is. Like you know, when they call him the Falcon. That that's who he is. It's you know, it 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 doesn't. It's not, you know, because of, you know, the the color of his skin. It's because of that's who he is. That's his character. It, you know, it's not, oh, he's black this, it's black that, you know. It's that he's the Falcon, you know, just like when he takes on the mantle of Captain America. He's Captain America, not black Captain America, you know. Yeah, it's an interesting thing for the show, and it's a powerful thing for the show to actually address. Sometimes I think they were a little heavy-handed and like kind of ham-fisted with some of the like side characters saying, "Nah, man, that's Captain America." I get it, like you know it, the the symbolic meaning of it, but I appreciate that they went there, right. um, if only just to address the elephant in the room, and. You know, as as two white guys on a podcast, I don't think we have like all that much that we can say um, about this particular subject. Besides the fact that it, I feel for the struggles that we see in our, our day to day lives for for other people, as well as the fictional people in in these shows. And Isaiah Bradley is one of those characters that was just treated so poorly because of who he was, because of the color of his skin, and you know, we didn't know about the character specifically be, specifically because of the fact that it was just a black super soldier and the government wanted to suppress him right and a big part of the show was him telling sam that no one's ever gonna accept a black captain america but i guess it was sam's ultimate uh i guess destiny within the show to prove everyone wrong you know right this is definitely a, a a tougher subject to you know talk about but the fact that it exists in an MCU product is pretty amazing. You know, I keep going back to the fact that like the MCU can tell human stories with superheroes and they can tell, um, they, they can really shine a light on real world problems with superheroes. You know, I, I, I love that about the MCU. I love that Falcon and the Winter Soldier went there. I would love to see more of uh, Isaiah Bradley. I think that he's such an interesting character, and I liked what they did at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Where I, I like what um, Sam did for his character. I think it was really cool yeah. and like that that um, that emotional uh, impact that it had on him, and you know he felt appreciated for you know really what he did because he was a military yeah, because... man. Yeah, he served his country, but was shunned for for whatever reason. Obviously, so yeah, it's it's a it was a really powerful moment. I think some of the writing, like I said, is it was a little more ham-fisted in certain scenes, especially the last episode. But I 
at the end of the day, it's the next chapter of the Captain America saga, and I'm, I'm excited to, to be here for it, you know? We should really quick talk about Sharon Carter and how right. she is somehow the power broker, the most powerful person in Madripoor. I know. It, <laughs> didn't didn't see that coming. I know, I know. Sharon Carter's character that that was a that was a twist right there. I think by the end it wasn't surprising, like when they finally revealed that she was the power broker. Because uh they, they, you so could kind of see that she wasn't the same. Right, right. They dropped a couple things here and there throughout the series. But it, it still kind of smacks you when you find out that she's like a full-blown villain, pretty much. Yeah, so how much time did she have? Like, if, if she had not been blipped away, how much time was she on the run? So we know that Civil War took place in, like, April of 2016. Then two years later was the blip. So we don't know if she was blipped away or not. So... Uh, two plus five is seven plus another six months so hypothetically she could have been on the run in Madripoor being this power broker person for seven and a half years that's pretty crazy yeah and and so I, I know that a lot of the reason why she is the way she is is resentment for because I mean she did serve in the US government and while she did do something that they deemed i guess like treason or something uh i mean what what she did was that she she got in trouble because she took the shield right and gave it to cap yeah i think so so it, it yeah it's really like resentment and you see it more so like at the end like the the very end but uh yeah her character her, her character was a surprising character because at first you're like, oh, okay, you know, she seems like a great character. But then the show gradually reveals that she's not the person that you remember that she was in Civil War. Right. I am curious about where they're going with that. I'm also curious about what they're doing with John Walker as the U.S. agent. We have Julia Louise Dreyfus. Right. Who, uh, you know, from Seinfeld and Veep fame, uh, coming into the Marvel Cinematic Universe all of a sudden. Like, what, what is she up to? I'm really curious. So we'll see. I'm assuming we'll, we'll see more of that in either uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier Season 2 or in maybe Cap 4. Because they did announce that, um, or it wasn't officially announced, but it's rumored that a Captain America 4 is in the works. Right. Yeah, I saw that. And, um... It, it makes sense, especially with the ending of uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Sam finally takes up the mantle. Uh, we have Bucky who asked asked a favor of the uh, Wakandans to make a special new suit with vibranium uh, for Sam Wilson. He doesn't have any superpowers, so he is, you know, reliant on their technology. And he, they, they deliver, you know, they make him an awesome Captain America uh, star-spangled suit. And uh, the wings are really cool. You know, they, like in the fight scene, he's able to like literally like stop a truck with the the wings of Vibranium. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, yeah, that was really cool. And um, 
yeah because his wings get destroyed earlier in the season so they, yeah that was cool that they ended up giving him that and so i mean he's captain america but he has those wings so does that make him captain falcon right yeah like <laughs> I, I, i'm curious about that obviously he's, captain falcon. he's just gonna be i think he's just gonna be called captain america yeah but, no of like course. we'll be Will a second season of this show be Captain America and the Winter Soldier? No, you can't because that's the name of one of the movies. Uh, would it be Falcon and the Winter Soldier season two or would they change the name of it entirely? Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Captain Falcon. <laughs> Captain Winter and the Falcon, Falcon Punch. <laughs> what did you think of the finale and like the final fight and everything? Uh, I liked it. I liked it because... It, it was a it was a culmination of everything happening. Sam finally takes up the mantle of Captain America, and it shows him training. He's back at home in, in Louisiana before that training, working really hard. And you see him trying to like pull off a lot of these moves that Steve would do, uh, you know, with the shield, doing the flips. That was a pretty cool like montage there. It was cool like it got to that it showed this it showed his skills that he was mm-hmm. training on in this finale that he he was working so hard on bucky was over there the, their friendship is pretty much they're, they're like solid now and uh it's funny though because they still towards the end they, they were joking like hey you know you know oh no we're, we're, we're not friends you know we're more like you know acquaintances you know if that yeah you know kind of joking around that um so I, I like it by then because bucky you know they they have like that i really like that heart to heart that they have prior to that training yeah. that that you know bucky you know it, that that's when he reveals like what he I, I think that was when he revealed like that was his pro you know why he was so upset about sam giving away the shield and sam essentially was telling him like to to not let that be i, I guess the, the, to not like let something like that hold him back mm-hmm. and then you know bucky helping uh sam to kind of step into the mantle of of captain america and you know that bucky was like starting to see it like he's at that point he sees what what uh steve sees and that's why he you know that's why he went to go give him that suit you know he put in that order for that suit i like how they these people just put in orders to wakanda like hey you know can i get this and then he, he, this is like whole brand new suit for uh for sam okay so we have to ask is steve rogers on the moon because that's brought up several times. It's it's almost like they're trying to hint that that's part. That's a future like plot line down the line. Like old man Steve is just chilling it, chilling out on the, on a moon base. I would love to see something like that. I don't know. I, I have no idea what what that's all about. But it is kind of funny, like thinking about like the conspiracy theories that would exist in a world with superheroes. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, it's almost like the uh, Walt Disney in the uh crowd. oh yeah being being frozen in ice uh or cryo frozen so that like he can come back to life and you know run disney as a head or something yeah <laughs> uh. 
so, so yeah, we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, Bucky and Sam and how they ended out up uh, the show when it finally does end. They changed the name from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier to Captain America and the Winter Soldier and mm. almost a Captain Falcon there. And uh, so I thought that was cool. I like that they did that. And Sam and Bucky. The, you know they, they come to stop the the flag smashers because yeah so they're, they're trying to kill the grc you know take take them they had this whole plan uh where they would take over the building and put them into these uh police vehicles and then the police vehicles would be pretty much intercepted by uh by carly and so yeah there's this whole crazy fight and then john walker comes dressed up as captain america with this like with, with this like makeshift shield that ends up getting like really battered by the end of the fight yeah and uh so yeah like he he's like trying to trying to take him down and fight and uh i mean like super angry towards the end he teams up with sam and bucky to stop uh, carly walker and bucky they ended up getting into a fight with a super soldier and then Sam mm-hmm. got into it with uh, with Carly, but then Carly runs away a little bit, and then she gets stopped by Sharon, where Sharon kind of reveals like this like whole plot that she had, you know, like revealed what had happened, and that you know she was pretty much a full blown on you know full on villain, and uh, Sharon ends up killing Carly, right, in a scuffle, and this is where we realize that. Sharon is evil. Oh, well, Sharon is bad. You know, she's she's a, a villain. So yeah, um, towards the end, Sharon she gets pardoned by the government, and she. Uh, but she's still the power broker. Right, right. So so she she calls somebody up saying like, "Hey, I'm going to get all of these government secrets and start selling them out." So yeah, I think I think we've covered everything. Yeah, I think so. Uh, at least everything worth discussing. Yes. So, thank you guys so much for tuning in to Project Geekology today. Um, we are we were thinking about doing a poll for this week, but I think we're both unanimous in the fact that we really want to cover Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring next. Uh, yes. Am I right, Anthony? Yes. Let's let's just do it. Let's just uh, next week we're covering Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, extended cuts so if you want to catch up on lord of the rings fellowship of the ring be sure to watch the extended cut because that's what we're going to be discussing oh might be a long episode bring some popcorn (laughs) all right guys thank you so much for listening to us here at project geekology for our 27th episode next week dakota and i will be covering lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring so be sure to watch that in advance of our discussion and that will be the extended edition Be sure to find all links to our socials in the show notes so that you can keep up to date on all Project Geekology news and updates. If you enjoyed today's show, share it on social media, review it on your preferred podcast application, or talk to us directly online. All right. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. Bye.